1: musicians and DJs and food trucks.
2: Tonight, protest or event? Why Surrey RCMP say a demonstration to support Indian farmers crossed the line. Plus, new concerning COVID statistics. Why are more younger people and kids landing in the ICU? And the massive rally in support of a 13-year-old transgender student beaten by classmates. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news. Just days before Joe Biden is sworn into office as U.S. president, documents suggest he plans to block the Keystone XL pipeline on his very first day in the White House. The Canadian press reports it has seen the transition documents, which include a to-do list dated for Wednesday that includes rescinding the permit signed by Donald Trump. Officials had promised back in May that, if elected, Biden would cancel the project, but no timeline was given. The pipeline expansion would move as much as 830,000 more barrels of diluted bitumen per day from Alberta to refineries along the U.S. Gulf Coast. Biden was vice president in 2015 when President Barack Obama initially rejected Keystone XL. Trump then approved it in 2019. More fallout tonight over the Surrey RCMP's abrupt shutdown of a planned protest in Cloverdale yesterday. It was meant to be in solidarity with Indian farmers fighting government legislation that will disadvantage them. Organizers say they were unfairly targeted by police. But as Grace Key reports, police say they had no choice but to turn away
4: demonstrators citing COVID-19 safety protocols. <laughs> In Langley, dozens gathered for a protest supporting farmers in India. Unlike Saturday's event in Surrey, Langley RCMP didn't seem to have a problem with this event.
5: Everything's good. Oh, good, good. Our big concern, of course, is COVID.
4: Surrey RCMP shut down a planned drive-in demonstration at the Cloverdale Recreation Centre on Saturday due to COVID concerns.
5: I need a permit to have an event or a gathering of this magnitude. This
4: is not an event. It's, it's not a event protest. Gathering. It's a protest.
5: Thank you very much.
4: Police say speakers and singers were planned for a crowd of up to 10,000 and food trucks started showing up. But organizers deny there were any food trucks and a maximum of 500 vehicles were set to tune into the event. On the radio.
6: People were to remain inside their vehicles no one was to gather with other households it was definitely a protest and for the RCMP to call it anything otherwise like a festival or a celebration that that's completely it's completely absurd.
7: There are many um, aspects of this event that that appear to, to be more of a festival or a, a concert. And a lot of these aspects encourage individuals getting out of their cars and congregating.
4: At the protest in Langley, organizers and volunteers also weighed in on what unfolded in Surrey. If there is a stage set, set up and there are some, some like folk singers coming in, People will come out eventually out of their cars
3: and break the COVID rules, right?
4: Surrey RCMP did issue a $2,300 violation ticket on Saturday to an individual for violating the public health order on large gatherings. Grace Key, Global News.
2: With COVID-19 safety in mind, a BC Parent Advisory Council is calling on the province to amend a policy that allows staff to be temporarily moved to different schools during unforeseen circumstances. It comes after a group of teachers stood their ground this week refusing to work at another school when a windstorm knocked the power out to theirs.
8: Even with no heat or power after a fierce windstorm, teachers at Langley's Short Reed Community School felt it was safer to stay in the dark
7: than enter another school during COVID. I mean, our kids are in their own cohorts with their teacher, and they're not even allowed to mix cohorts on the playground and play with other kids. So yet our teachers are expected to go to a totally different school and mix and mingle with other teachers.
8: Parents say a district policy allowing teachers and staff to work at other sites when their school is closed made sense pre-pandemic but now exposes a double standard. The PAC taking the lead in asking the Ministry of Education to amend its directive to districts during these uncertain times.
7: To allow staff to work from home when there's situations like this, such as power outages or snow days, um, because we know they're capable, they're perfectly capable of working from home, and it's much safer. It's,
1: It's not an everyday thing, it's not a permanent thing, it should It should be able to happen just like every other industry.
8: Dr. Bonnie Henry has encouraged employers to facilitate working from home whenever possible, especially under current
2: restrictions. You know, with the proper technology, there's nothing that those uh, teachers uh, could have done at that school that they couldn't have done at home. Instead, the district gave teachers
8: three options. Redeploy to another school, face possible discipline, Or use a paid personal day?
7: Why should they have to give up a personal day um, when they could be working, just doing it from home?
8: BC's education ministry says staff will follow up with the district to understand this staffing decision, ensure health and safety protocols were followed, and consider if further updates are required. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
2: Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, staying on the issue of kids and COVID, Mm -hmm. the latest hospitalization stats in B.C. are a little concerning. Why are younger people suddenly paying a heavier price from getting COVID?
9: Yeah, very good question, Colleen. So kids, of course, have been in hospital, admitted to a hospital right since, almost since day one, albeit in much smaller numbers than other age groups. Through the pandemic, almost 70 kids under the age of 20 have been admitted to hospital. Uh, But take a look at the latest statistics from the BC Center for Disease Control. The reporting period from early December to early January, the age group under 10, 15 kids were put in a hospital in that time period. And for the very first time ever, two kids were in the ICU wards. 10 to 19 age group, 11 kids were in hospital. Again, for the very first time, three teenagers or people over the age of 10 and under 20 were in the ICU. 20 to 29, again, another continued uptick there. And I've added the last line there because I want you to take a look at the 30 to 39 group, the very last column there of deaths. Three people in their 30s died in this time frame over the Christmas break. Uh, You recall a couple months ago, somebody in their 30s died, a young man uh, in the Tri-Cities area. That was considered a pretty big deal. We don't have any more information on these three people who unfortunately passed away in the their 30s the takeaway here again five kids in the ICU for the first time since the pandemic began and three people in their 30s a relatively young age passed away from COVID-19 now it may be this is the peak because our hospitalizations have dropped since this reporting period and if that continues to drop hopefully this isn't repeated but that's a little concerning that that many kids young people again uh, face potentially the worst outcomes ICU uh, cases often turn into fatalities and thankfully that didn't happen here Um, and again hopefully the numbers improve going forward.
2: And I will see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock for the latest update. Thanks, Keith. It's been four days since Premier John Horgan floated the idea of an interprovincial travel ban to stop people from other parts of the country from spreading COVID in B.C. But is it legal or even feasible? Julia Foy went to
10: ask some experts. The combination of deep powder and low COVID numbers is attracting visitors from other provinces to our local ski slopes. BC's premier is concerned about the threat of COVID spreading from travelers and is exploring the idea of shutting the door.
9: I want to put this either to rest. So that British Columbians understand that we cannot do that and we're not going to do that. Or there is a way to do it and we're going to work with other provinces to achieve it.
10: The Atlantic provinces were the first to develop a bubble to restrict outside visitors. But experts warn it's not a one-size-fits-all solution.
6: It's very different from Atlantic provinces. Sometimes it is almost impossible to truly patrol of travelers coming through the mountains and through various parts of British Columbia.
10: In addition to geographical challenges, there are legal hurdles too. Just by virtue of there being a, a pandemic and a, a public health crisis doesn't mean that we that we toss the Constitution out the window. Zweibel contends that a government has to prove there's a problem first. Is there good evidence that uh, a lot of transmission is coming from interprovincial travel and is there also good evidence that there's no uh, less restrictive alternative that would work to to deal with that. The provinces of Quebec and Manitoba have brought in restrictions which require all interprovincial travellers to quarantine for two weeks. Even domestically, try not to undertake non-essential travel is actually important, not just for the international context at the moment. Professor Mendez thinks there's a better way. If, let's say, the... The the ski slopes could be uh, the
6: cause of major super spread. Then think about specific messages um, attached to them using the evidence of what devastation could be caused.
10: Premier Horgan is expected to make a decision soon on whether there will be a total travel ban for interprovincial travellers or a different plan to keep COVID from coming for a holiday. Julia Foy, Global News. As more
2: than a dozen B.C. churches continue to defy public health orders by holding in-person services, one religious leader in the South Okanagan is offering a different perspective. Oliver Pastor Ken Clark says his personal connection to COVID-19 has given him insight into the importance of following the rules in order to save lives.
7: Shelby Tom has more.
3: How will you be remembered?
7: For nearly two months, this is how Oliver Pastor Ken Clark has delivered his sermon to his Christian congregation.
3: What will the legacy be that you leave behind?
7: Offering Sunday worship online to comply with the public health order banning mass gatherings in an effort to reduce COVID-19 infections.
3: We feel we have a responsibility within our community and to our own people as well to protect them.
7: Small towns like Oliver are not immune to the virus. The village is home to the B.C. interior's deadliest long-term care outbreak. 17 residents have died at McKinney Place, and there's been one death at Sunnybank.
3: Just this past week, I stood with a family at the graveside of one of our long-term care residents who died with complications from COVID-19.
7: While these four walls offer a sacred space to his 60 parishioners, he says their religion can be practiced at home for now.
3: This order is not in any way telling us that we can't practice our faith. It's not in any way oppressing us as a church. One of the most loving, caring and compassionate ways that we can protect one another in our communities right now is not to gather in large groups.
7: The COVID-19 pandemic has hit close to home for Clark. His wife, daughter and son all work in the healthcare field.
3: Every time they go to work, they are putting their lives on the line.
7: His son Scott, a nurse in Oakville, Ontario, contracted the virus in March.
3: We honestly feared for our son's life that night.
7: But he survived in assuring his insights about the unpredictable disease. They could
3: have been put me on a so the fact
6: that I didn't get that far took a little bit of a worry on my mind, but still certainly very scary not being able to breathe on your own.
7: Father and son issuing an emphatic plea to worshippers not to gather.
3: We want to do everything we can to keep our families and our people of our church and our community safe.
7: While thanking South Okanagan residents for their sacrifice.
3: There will come a time when this is behind us, and we'll be stronger because of that. So let's keep doing the right thing.
2: Shelby Tom, Global News. It's the disturbing video that shocked the province, a brutal attack on a 13-year-old transgender student outside a mission middle school. Well, today, thousands in the community held a drive-by rally in support of the child and against all forms of bullying. Paul Johnson has the latest and a warning. This story contains some of that disturbing video.
5: One by one, they pulled in Sunday at the staging area of the Mission Raceway. Vehicles, families... Canadians of all kinds. No child deserves to be treated that way. United by outrage, but motivated by hope, they came to send their message in person. Hopefully, uh, we're going to create a chain reaction that's going to create a change in the world. Most here think bullying is actually an insufficient word to describe the beating of a transgender teen by two girls Monday at Missions, a Cole Heritage Park middle school their shock compounded by the fact that no one appears to intervene and the crowd can be heard egging the attackers
7: on. Right I'm very upset that no one stepped in or anything.
5: I wonder,
6: you know, like if we've just kind of been desensitized through mainstream media or video games, whatever it is. I don't know, but it's there's something wrong and it needs to be
5: fixed. So this show of solidarity began in the air with this flyby. Okay, then the unforgettable sight of hundreds of vehicles rolling down the Fraser River Dike and past the spot where the victim and her family watched.
6: It's very, um, very surprising uh, that so many people love someone that they never met. Um, But I'm very grateful for it because um, I felt like I didn't have people that loved me and with this and happening, it just warms
5: me. This parade was a message to a single person, but also to victims of bullies everywhere. Though some may torment you because you're different, never forget, there's more of us than them. In Mission, Paul Johnson, Global News.
2: A man is facing charges after a senior was attacked outside a downtown Vancouver shelter one week ago. Police say a 73-year-old man who uses a cane was pushed to the ground as he read a menu outside the gathering place at Seymour and Helmkin last Sunday. His hand was injured, but he's now out of hospital. Staff witnessed the attack and called police who arrested a suspect nearby. 43-year-old Marcus Van Schilt has been charged with assault and obstructing a peace officer during his arrest. A brand-new courthouse opens in the Fraser Valley tomorrow. The newly completed four-story Abbotsford Law Courts will house both the Provincial Court and Supreme Court. Provincial court operations will commence on Monday, followed by Supreme Court operations February 1st. It will also accommodate B.C. Court of Appeal proceedings. The Veterans Way location has 14 courtrooms and replaces the existing courthouse on South Fraser Way. Two Alberta families whose loved ones have gone missing in BC have launched a unique project to help others facing similar situations. Tammy Neron's 28-year-old brother Dominic disappeared in a plane crash with his girlfriend Ashley Borgo while en route from Edmonton to Penticton in November of 2017. With the help of strangers, the couple's bodies and wreckage was found. Heather Schuka, Stuka rather, has been looking for her son Ryan ever since he was last seen February 2018 after leaving a party at the Sun Peak Ski Resort. Together the families have launched the Freebird Project to use their experience to help others searching for lost loved ones.
0: What do you do really after every official channel goes home? To be able to support families that are going through this so that they can make reasonable um, decisions that aren't just based on emotion. To hear the words, I've been through this, I understand what you're going through, I'm here for you, it it does a lot.
2: They can share how to coordinate volunteer command centres, how to leverage social media, And what options are available when it comes to private investigators and even psychic mediums? A 17-year-old snowmobiler in the South Caribou is being commended by search and rescue crews after he became separated from his group this weekend. Last night, the teen was sledding near Mika Mountain, about an hour and a half east of 100 Mile House, when he couldn't get out on his own. When his friends couldn't find him, they called for help. When search crews arrived, he was discovered inside a snow cave he had created to protect himself from the elements. Team members say he was located at around 10 o'clock last night inside his shelter with food and water. They commended him for being prepared and for staying put.
11: He dug into a bank and created a, a small cave for himself. And what it does is it gets you out of the wind and it and the snow itself acts as a bit of an insulator once you're in there. So it does the small area that you're in does help warm you up a little bit, keep you out of the elements, and so it's going to mitigate the effects of the um, the really super cold weather. Right? Um, it's just a it's just a technique that many people in winter outdoor activities practice, and they're familiar with, and it's just a way to keep yourself warmer at night if you can't build a fire.
2: Take a look at this driver in is in custody after a 100 mile or 161 kilometer chase through Southern California. Police were pursuing a driver in the white van that you can see in this aerial video. The pursuit started just northwest of San Diego, went through downtown Los Angeles, then into the San Fernando Valley. California Highway Patrol eventually executed a pit maneuver spinning the van, ending the chase. The driver immediately surrendered and was taken into custody. Now, we don't know why the pursuit started in the first place, but police say at one point the driver tossed a gun out of the window and it was retrieved by officers. Canada has surpassed another grim milestone as COVID-19 continues to circulate in this country. Canada surpassed 700,000 cases of the virus yesterday. The last 100,000 cases were recorded in just two weeks. Seven provinces announced more than 6,400 cases yesterday. BC will add to the country's total tomorrow when those cases from the weekend are tallied. And we will have that live for you at 3 o'clock on BC One. Starting tomorrow, Alberta will see some of its COVID-19 rules relaxed. Outdoor social gatherings of up to 10 people will soon be allowed, as long as everyone can keep their physical distance of two meters. If not, masks are recommended, but indoor gatherings are still not recommended. Personal wellness services will also be allowed to reopen on Monday, but only for one-on-one services and only by appointment. Those wellness services include salons, barbershops, aesthetics, reflexology, tattoo and piercing shops. Capacity limits for funerals are also being up to 20 people as long as distancing is observed. Health officials say people are still expected to follow public health guidelines, including masks and social distancing. Well, as the U.S. Capitol resembles a war zone with troops deployed for Wednesday's inauguration, a rehearsal tomorrow that was originally cancelled is now going ahead. And now disturbing new video. The first up-close look at what happened inside the Senate chamber during that deadly insurrection. A journalist filming the chilling moments the rioters broke in. Who they were looking for.
1: To protect the constitution of the United
5: States against enemies, foreign and domestic.
2: Tonight, the New Yorker
6: releasing shocking video captured on January 6th as rioters force their way into the Capitol. Trump supporters climbing through the busted doors and windows. Peace house? Threatening the police. Lord, and making their way toward the Senate chamber. Exposing the significance of the threat. While we're here, we might as well set up a government. As insurrectionists look for lawmakers, Where the f- are they? including Democratic Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, Where the f- Nancy? rummaging through senators' papers. got
9: to be something in here.
6: The rioters claiming Senator Ted Cruz is on their side.
5: I think Cruz would want us to do this. so yeah, I think we're good.
6: One man, Jake Angeli, with clear contempt for Vice President Pence, taking a seat in his chair.
5: I'm going to take a seat in his chair. Because Mike Pence is a
6: on, And leaving a note. It's only a matter of time. Justice is coming. As rioters gathered for a prayer.
5: Thank you for filling this chamber with patriots that love you. and their love.
6: Another section of the video shows tense clashes between Capitol Police officers trying to defend the grounds. Inside, at one point, the video shows another officer asking politely for rioters to leave the Senate chamber. Now that you've done that, can I get you guys to walk out of this room, please? Yeah. While a group of officers appear to be standing by in the hall. Striking raw video, revealing tense moments during the dangerous takeover.
2: And the Kremlin's most prominent critic has been detained by police after returning to Moscow. Russian officials say Alexei Navalny was arrested for probation violations and will remain in custody pending a court hearing. The Russian opposition leader spent the previous five months in Germany, recovering from poisoning that he blames on the Kremlin. Labs in several European countries confirm Navalny was exposed to Cold War-era nerve agent Novichok. And the Kremlin has repeatedly denied poisoning Navalny. Famed music producer and convicted murderer Phil Spector has died. The eccentric and revolutionary music producer is credited with transforming rock music with his so-called wall of sound style. But Spector was also convicted of murdering actress Lana Clarkson at his California mansion in 2003. He maintained Clarkson's death was an accidental suicide. He had been serving a 19-year life sentence. California state prison officials say he died Saturday of natural causes in hospital. He was 81 years old. TV comedy legend Betty White marked a major milestone today. The Golden Girls star and five-time Emmy Award winner celebrated her 99th birthday today in a very simple fashion. In an email to the Associated Press, she said her only plans were feeding a pair of ducks, then having a hot dog with French fries. She also wrote, since I'm turning 99, I can stay up as late as I want. White has worked more than 80 years on television, the longest career of any entertainer in the industry. why this is being called the world's most expensive work of art and the statement it's making. We'll have that story for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, the calendar says mid-January, but it feels more like mid-June in San Diego. Mission Beach was packed. Lifeguards estimate 60,000 people visited San Diego beaches on Saturday. Temperatures are near 27 Celsius, but a high surf advisory is in effect. Lifeguards say 15 people had to be rescued from the waters yesterday. So, Yvonne, probably a good thing that we're here in the cold and wet.
12: Yeah, keeps us uh, out of the beach for now, but uh, we are going to see some sunshine, which is great news, and we are going to see a bit of a change on the way with our temperatures and I'll show you what that means in just a moment. We had a few bright spots, depending on where you were across the province. It was dry, especially for the afternoon. This is a great shot that was captured in Kowalk, so thank you so much, Lynn. And it was sunny and bright for many areas in the interior today, for example, in the southern interior for areas near the Oakland. Canogun. Let's see. My clicker's having issues. So let me see. Oh, you know what it is? Let me just walk across and grab a different. I just need to grab a different clicker. <laughs> I'm good. Okay, let's see. There we go. All right. Oh, sometimes I took the one from upstairs. Okay, let me make this one. Oh, away. it's worth it. There's the sunshine that I wanted to show you today. So thank you so much, John, for that great shot. All right, here's what we are seeing. Dry conditions this evening. Temperatures are sitting at six. We've got a north... And at 13 kilometers per hour. And this is the clicker that I need to show you that overnight tonight we are going to see dry conditions. We've got that fog developing. It is going to be chilly. We'll dip down to four and through the morning hours tomorrow. We are going to see that fog dissipating, a mainly sunny sky. Temperatures will bump up to 7. Tomorrow looks to be one of the nicest out of the bunch. And this is the reason why we've got a weak ridge of pressure that is going to build in for the southern half of the province. This will be the next weather maker and that will be a bit of a blip. But first off, overnight dry conditions, that fog, cloud cover just in towards the morning hours, breaks as we get in towards the afternoon. And then a bit of a blip in the forecast will be on Tuesday with an increase in cloud cover and a chance of showers. Heads up though, if you're heading along the mountain passes, still see. Some wet snowfall. A few isolated flurries. checking with drivebc.ca. Not much in terms of accumulation, but there is more of a break on the way for tomorrow. Upper level chart I wanted to show you. Temperatures are going to cool off as we get in towards the latter half of the week and leading in towards next weekend. It's been mild. Temperatures today, for example, in Tofino got into the double digits at 10, but we'll start to see that drop off and temperatures for the overnight will be closer towards the freezing mark. Now, the rain is going to pick up for the northern half of the province, but heavier at times for the afternoon. We've got a Nice clearing on the way for the central interior, the southern interior for the southeastern corners. The Columbia could still see those morning flurries and then it'll start to dissipate. All areas across the south coast, we are looking at fog for the morning, breaks for the afternoon. Temperatures tomorrow, 7 degrees. A few showers isolated as we get in towards our Tuesday. Should be dry Wednesday, Thursday, but a heads up as we get in towards next week and weekend, it is going to be cooler. Colleen? Okay,
2: we've been warned. Thanks so much, Yvonne. We want to show you what is being discussed described as the most expensive work of art created. Have a look at this. This is called the Da Vinci of debt an art exhibit calling attention to the rising cost of college education. Valued at $470 million and created using 2,600 authentic diplomas provided by college graduates, the installation is being featured in Grand Central Station. The installation has been put up by the American brewing company Anheuser-Busch to celebrate its Natural Light College Debt Relief Program, which provides a million dollars to help people saddled with student outcomes. U.S. college debt reached a new record high in 2021, $1.7 trillion, with the average graduate paying roughly $180,000 by the time they receive their degree. For comparison, nearly half of all Canadian college students graduate with debt, averaging less than $20,000.
11: guess we can safely assume no student is going to buy that piece of uh, art don't no. I- have the money for it.
2: No, no, definitely not. On Wednesday at 12 noon, Joseph R. Biden Jr. will be sworn in as the 46th President of the United States. It will be an inauguration like never before, and not just because of the pandemic. One notable spectator will be conspicuously absent in a stark deviation from tradition that will forever be marked by history.
11: So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President.
13: Inaugurations are among the richest part of our history, a symbol to the world of our stability and our ability to move forward without moving against one another. Ask not
6: what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your
13: country. Pulitzer Prize winning photographer David Hume Kennerly has photographed five inaugurations and now lectures on their history.
3: The first inauguration picture was in 1857. It was kind of a wide shot of the front of the Capitol, but it's a remarkable image.
13: That is President James Buchanan sworn in on the east front of the Capitol, Abraham Lincoln in 1865, six weeks before he was assassinated. Kennerly was President Gerald Ford's photographer and captured the non-ceremonial transfer of power from Richard Nixon, the only U.S. president to resign. He gives a little wave. It was one of the most dramatic things I've ever witnessed. Traditionally, the incoming and outgoing president share a ride to the Capitol. Kennerly was among the very first photographers to put his camera inside the presidential limousine, Ford and Jimmy Carter, Carter and his successor, Ronald Reagan.
3: In the eyes of many in the world, this every four-year
13: ceremony we accept as normal is nothing less than a miracle. Kennerly has captured that miracle Four millions.
3: One of the reasons I like doing what I do is being there, uh, a front row seat to history. For the first time in
13: 152 years, there won't be an image of the incoming and departing presidents together to witness what we again realize must never be taken for granted power peacefully transferred.
3: The fact of the matter is that uh, democracy works. A new president's going to be sworn in. Major Garrett,
13: CBS News. The White House.
3: If you want to know, it's on the
13: hub.
5: If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now.
2: Before we get to Barry and Sports, I want you to take a look at this. A man has become the first in Hong Kong to scale a building in a wheelchair. After more than 10 hours of climbing up this 56-meter-tall skyscraper using a pulley system, 37-year-old Lai Chi-Wai realized that he didn't have enough strength left to climb to the top as planned, so he stopped. Still, the event raised $671,000 for spinal cord patients and marks the 10-year anniversary of Lai's road accident that left him paralyzed from the waist. Down, before his accident. Guess the guess this one. Lie was one of the world's top climbers. No big surprise there. Congratulations. It's
11: all in the effort. It's all about the tries. No kidding. Say. Well, we're going to talk a little hockey, Colleen. The Canucks got some great news today. Forward J.T. Miller rejoined the team in Calgary in practice for the first time since being placed in quarantine last Monday due to COVID protocols. The Canucks did not want to get into any details about Miller's situation other than to say... He was following protocols and now has been cleared to rejoin the team and will play tomorrow night versus the Flames. And they can sure use him after losing two straight, including a 3-0 shutout last night in Calgary and with a struggling power play that's yet to score 0-for-11 on the young season. Just more feeling the fire. Really. You really just want to be out and you want to help. Um, you, know, I, you know, I kind of feel, feel a little bit helpless sitting on my couch watching the games and you know, with without an injury you know it was just weird so it's it's just good to be back here like i keep saying over but you just want to just want to help the team win the game is going to fly by in two or the year's going to fly by in two seconds so i just just want to play it brings a lot to our group he's a, you know a guy like you know you just sense his presence on the ice and that's what's uh huge to have him back uh, in our team you know it's it's only been a few days but it's very noticeable that he hasn't been here um brings a lot of energy always barking always uh, you know, backing up his birth though, which is fun. That's what it makes uh, what makes him fun to be around for practice. And um, the group was was definitely excited to see him today. Well, Tom Brady and Drew Brees have thrown 1,152 touchdowns combined in their illustrious careers. And they've also won seven Super Bowls, six by Brady, one from Brees. But Brees and the Saints have had the Bucks number this year. They've already beaten them twice, setting up another showdown today in New Orleans with the trip to the NFC Championship against the Packers on the line. Drew Brees just turned 42 on friday some say he may retire after this season second quarter six three saints this is not the kind of birthday present breeze had in mind his throw picked off by sean murphy bunting who then returns it all the way to the saints three yard line and tampa bay is in business next play 43 year old tom brady to mike evans who uses that size of his to outmuscle the defender brings in the touchdown pass Bucs have their first lead of the ball game, 10 to 6, but the Saints respond with some razzle dazzle. Alvin Kamara takes the snap, hands it off, then the flip to backup quarterback Jameis Winston, who airs it out to a wide open Traquan Smith, 56 yard touchdown. Winston, of course, played the first five years of his career in Tampa Bay, 13 13 at the half. Third quarter, Breeze with a perfect pass here to Smith. Traquan Smith with his second touchdown of the game. Nice job to get both feet in bounds. Breeze has thrown a TD pass in all of his 18 career playoff games, but Brady and the Bucks respond. Brady firing to Leonard Fournette, juggles it, but makes the catch for the touchdown, and Brady has just gone in on a quarterback sneak touchdown, so Tampa looking good, up now 30-20 late in the fourth. Meanwhile, in the AFC, defending champion Chiefs taking on the upstart Cleveland Browns. Chiefs controlled most of the first half. Patrick Mahomes going 20 yards to Travis Kelsey for the touchdown. Chiefs built up a 16-3 lead. Late first half, Browns driving Baker Mayfield to Rashard Higgins who reaches for the pylon for the touchdown, but the ball came loose before he broke the plane. then it rolls through the end zone. By rule, that's a touchback, so it's Chiefs' ball. Brown's got nothing. Chiefs led 19-3 at the half, but Cleveland stayed with it. Third quarter, Mayfield to Jarvis Landry for the touchdown. It's 19-10, and then this key play. Patrick Mahomes running for a first down gets rocked. His head hits the turf hard, and he was wobbly. He needed help off the field, did not return due to a concussion and the Browns would get closer. Former Chief Kareem Hunt will run it in for the touchdown. That made it 22-17 with plenty of time to go. Chiefs had to go to veteran backup Chad Henney to replace Mahomes late fourth. It's third and 14 but look at Henney doing his best Patrick Mahomes impression. Running hard diving for the first down marker on third and 14. He came up just inches short But the Chiefs and Andy Reid decide to go for it on fourth and short. And out of the shotgun, the 35-year-old Henney delivers a perfect pass to Tyreek Hill. What a clutch play from Henney as the Chiefs run out the clock and they survive. 22-17 over the Browns. So the Chiefs will host Buffalo in the AFC Championship next Sunday. Back to the NHL. Zdeno Chara and the Caps visiting the Penguins. First period tied at one. Alex Ovechkin going to the net. Scoops in the loose puck. His first of the year. 707th of his career. He's eighth on the all-time list. He could move into the top five if he can score 25 goals in this short season. Second period, 3-2 caps. Marcus Pedersen ties it, rips the wrister from the slot. It's 3-3. This would go to a shootout. Jake Gensel would score the only goal. It's the game winner. Sweet move to go five-hole on Ilya Samsonov. Pens get their first victory of the season, 4-3 over Washington in the shootout. Big EPL showdowns. First place, Manchester United and defending champ Liverpool. But this one fizzled. Not a lot going on. Tiago from distance for Liverpool. But David De Gea with a fine save for United. Best chance went to Paul Pogba of United. Drills it. But right at the Liverpool goalkeeper, Allison. it ends nil-nil man united retains first place liverpool is third three points back and the one to watch out for man city they are climbing the table and they've got games in hand city manhandled crystal palace today terrific cross by kevin de Bruyne, headed in by john stones who had two goals today man city cruise four nil they are now in second place two points behind man united but with a game in hand Golf today, final round of the Sony Open from Hawaii. Kevin Na shot a 9-under 61 yesterday to get into contention. He was trailing leader Brendan Steele by three shots with just six holes to go, but then caught fire. Three straight birdies, including this one on the 15th after that fantastic approach. Na would take a one-shot lead. Meanwhile, Chris Kirk on the 18th, third shot on the par 5. Almost holes out for the Eagle, would tap in for birdie. Kirk post 20 under, tied for the lead with Nah But Nah still got to play the par 5 18th, just over the green in two. But a really nice pressure chip here inside two feet. Nah would then tap that in for the birdie and the win, the fifth of his career. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor finished tied 11th at 17 under and won 153,000. Mackenzie Hughes was 19th, Mike Weir. Forty seventh, and we'll end with some World Cup four-man bobsleigh from San Moritz, Switzerland. Race two of four in the season. Justin Cripps missed the opening few months of the World Cup season, making up for lost time. He had a great weekend. Won a bronze in the two-man yesterday. Won another bronze in the four-man today. Back-to-back third-place finishes for Cripps, who's third in the overall standings. The World Cup heads to Germany next weekend, and hopefully those Canadian sleds can keep it going. No That's kidding. It for sports, Colleen. Back to you.
2: All right. You you guys might recall at the start of the pandemic, a choir rehearsal in Washington State was a super spreader event, and that silenced singers everywhere. But an Alberta choir has found a way to sing together safely, thanks to some old
1: technology. The pandemic has taken singing in the car to a whole new frequency. Car radios and some tech savvy, the luminous voices chamber choir in Calgary, Alberta, found a way to sing together from a distance, like at this holiday concert. Tim Schantz is artistic director.
13: To make it happen and have people sing together, it really helps the soul. Let's be honest:
1: the performing arts is in a crisis. simple FM transmitter. The sound from each microphone is merged and returned on a radio frequency. The idea came from south of the border in Virginia, where baritone David Newman tried it out last spring and word spread across the continent. When you're on the Zoom call and you sing happy birthday and no one's in sync. This basically has found a way to fix that, right?
13: Yeah, and this it's just the FM signal, which isn't going to outer space and coming
8: back.
1: Life, Meaning there's no delay. That's music to the ears of choristers Caleb Nelson, who led the technical effort, and Julie Friedman-Smith. Suddenly, everybody was in my car with me. It's happening in real time. We're making music, we're singing chords. Making jokes, jokes don't work over Zoom as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What does it mean to you, Julie, to be able to keep singing in a group? What does it mean to breathe? It's kind of the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Something their audience needed too. To hear 200 car horns all going. That was awesome. (laughs) Um, It was.
11: It's amazing.
1: Adriana Diaz, CBS News doesn't sing in their car.
11: Not that well.
1: Guilty. No, not
11: that To yourself, you think oh, you sound yes. that good.
12: You sound fabulous. But that's why
11: we don't record ourselves in the
12: uh, car.
2: Right? That's why you keep the windows <laughs> rolled up. too. Yeah. people
12: can look in, you look good, but it doesn't sound that good. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Okay, Yvonne, one last look at our weather forecast. We are going to see some fog, but dry overnight and for the early morning hours, it'll dissipate. Tomorrow looks to be one of the nicer days out of the bunch. We'll bump up to 7. It's going to be pleasant. A few showers rolling in on Tuesday. More cloud cover for Wednesday, Thursday.
2: All right, that is the news hour for tonight night. Jordan will be here at 11. Stay with us now for 60 minutes. Have a good night.